This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode 189, recorded Wednesday, November 19th, 2014. Oh, today is the 19th. Lucky you did the intro. I wrote down the 20th. <laughs> yeah, you also sent me the show notes and said it was episode 198. So you're way off today. <laughs> Jeez, I am all confused. I'm glad you know what's going on. Uh, it must be the snow. I had to spend two hours in the car today driving through snow, and that was not fun. Me too. I didn't have... It was okay with me, though. I listened to music. It's not like I was... Uh, you know, really angry at anything. We all kind of, you know, agreed that the these were this is where the lanes were because at that at that point you can't see there's so much snow you can't see the lines on the road, right? right? So it's just everybody has a mutual agreement not to kill each other and use these particular ways through the snow, which uh, the tires thankfully clear off a little bit, so there's a little bit of pavement to grab onto. Yeah, no, I, I luckily we had our snow tires put on this morning, wow. so just in time. Good yeah, and then I had to drive uh, drive out of the city today and then drive back in the snow. It was, uh, yeah, it wasn't the worst thing in the world, but it's frustrating going that slow sometimes, so. I did the super opposite. I drove into the city and then had to drive out. Yeah, well, it could be worse. We could be in Buffalo. That's true. Man, man, oh man, does Buffalo, like, it, I don't know who chose that location for a city, but they sure weren't thinking about winter because they got, like, eight feet of snow in one day down in Buffalo. They got hammered. Yeah, hammered, totally hammered. Well, speaking of hammered, um, I'm going to play an entry in our contest, Jason. Really? How is that speaking of hammered? Well, I'll let uh, Jack in rainy England introduce his own entry here, and you'll All you'll right. see. Hi, this is my record your own scene competition entry um, from season three, episode three. Walk with me, I think it's called, and it's uh, the governor welcoming people to Woodbury. Y'all now prisoners here, y'all guests. But if you want to leave, as I said, y'all free to do so. But we don't open the gates past dusk. Draws too much attention, you see. And you especially, you need a solid night's sleep. You wouldn't last another day out there in your condition. I'll have you proud over to my place in the morning. Return your weapons. Extra ammo, food for the road, some meds, case of a vehicle if you want one. Send you on your way. No hard feelings. Mmm. Welcome to Woodbury. All right. Thank you, Jack. That was weird. Uh, it was all, uh, uh, Family Guy. Yeah, it was the weird old guy from Family Guy. Yeah. And it was actually an incredibly accurate impression. It was very good. My wife hates it when I do that voice. Let's hear some. No, I can't do it on demand. I can only I I, I only do voices when the mood strikes. I can't just call them up and do them unfortunately, which is really sad, but Every once in a while, I'll uh, I'll I'll throw that voice up, and uh, she'll yell at me and tell me to stop. You can only do impromptu impressions for some reason. That's yes, that's right. All right, do your Michael Caine. <laughs> I, I can't do Michael. Which one? Do you want to do uh, younger Michael Caine or old Michael Caine? Because oh. they're different. Well, the octaves is like uh, older Michael Caine is like two octaves lower than uh, 
young Michael King. <laughs> yeah, you may be onto something there, but you probably can't do it anyway. I can't do either of them. I just know that. All right. Well, if the if the mood strikes you at any time during the evening, feel free to break into Michael King. <laughs> you got it. All right. Well, thank you, Jack, for that. Um, you know, it was such a good impression. I almost don't believe he did it. Like that maybe there's some sort of, you know, family guy voice generator on the internet and he plugged the speech in and it, it just read that for him. I don't know. <laughs> it could be. I'm sure I'm sure Jack did that himself. It was it was uh perfect. It was too good. That's a that's a good idea for a moneymaker. A uh family guy voice generator? Yeah. Well, you know what? Seth uh, McFarlane's probably working on that right now. Uh, no, he's probably working on something else. He doesn't care about that kind of shit. He's ro- working he's got on cash flowing out of every orifice. He doesn't need, uh, you know, an internet voice thing. He just, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, wor- I don't think he's worried about that kind of thing. Everybody needs an internet voice thing. All right. Well, if you want to send in um, an entry in that contest, please do so. Talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. We want to get some more entries now that we're approaching the halfway point in season five. All right, Jason, we've got some holy craps to do, uh, a few more that came in since Monday, and then we'll get into feedback for Season 5, Episode 6, Consumed. Cool. Do it. Holy crap. Did you see that? Okay, our first one here comes from Michael on the internet. Holy crap, did you see that? Here we have our badass Daryl lighting up a cigarette in the apocalypse. And what brand does he smoke? Morley Cigarettes famously smoked by cancer man from the x-files awesome great job guys did you catch that jason during the episode of course not no morley no i didn't that's awesome morley are they real cigarettes or just uh, tv cigarettes i believe i believe another listener wrote in about this because not he um michael wasn't the only one to notice it but another listener wrote in and said he looked up morley cigarettes and apparently they are the cigarette equivalent of phone numbers starting with 555. Right, yeah. So according to Wikipedia, Morley is a fictional brand of cigarettes that has appeared in various television shows, films, and video games. Yeah. Still, though, I mean... Holy friggin' list of different video or different TV shows and movies. <laughs> Been in a lot, eh? ER, The Dick Van Dyke Show, Justified... Wow, hundreds, hundreds of shows this this brand of cigarettes has appeared in. So Morley cigarettes are TV cigarettes. Phone number starting with 555, that it's for TVs and movies. And then... Um, IP addresses that have a 357 in them. Really? Well, yeah, anything more than 255 is not an IP address, right? <laughs> right, so, starting uh, with anything, three. <laughs> anything, anything that has, starts with a three and, and has three digits. And Oceanic Airlines, that's been around it, too, I think. That's right, yeah. All right. Well, that's good. They got to have these fictional companies, I suppose, for uh, so they can make them look bad on TV. That's right, or good, or whatever, just so that they uh, don't get into trouble. Right. Right. So we have an e- email from Paul in uh, Brisbane or Brisbane, as uh, it's pronounced. Holy crap! Did you see Daryl's overt class consciousness coming through again? Uh, in the episode in the country house, we saw his opinion on the wealthy with the shirtless female zombie. 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 <laughs> on on this display again. On? Oh, my God. I'm having a rough day. I know it. It's on display again here with his comment that the painting in the office probably cost some rich prick a lot of money. I doubt the writers will explore this too much, but I think it enlivens Daryl's backstory and gives him a certain attitude towards authority and institutions. 
In a way, his class consciousness is out of date in the zombie apocalypse. Everyone is trying to survive. The zombie apocalypse is the great equalizer of people. So is slouching. Really? Yeah, everybody, you know, when you're slouching, everybody's equal. <laughs> just like when you sit back on a couch and you, you know, let your legs slide out and you're pretty much just lying down, that's the great equalizer. You're having a really good sit, which turns into a nearly a nearly a lie. That's right. No one is above anyone else when you're doing that. Well, or the world comes to an end and uh, your rich prickness really has no bearing on reality. <laughs> that's right. All right, thank you, Paul. Next, uh, holy crap, is Simon on the internet. Uh, holy crap, regarding the van landing, that's of course the van falling off the bridge, Hazard County physics in consumed. That van did a great General Lee impersonation. Oh, they never did anything so bad on the Dukes of Hazard. Well, I got to admit something here. I've never really watched the Dukes of Hazard. Like I've, I know what it is, and I've seen clips on in other mediums, but I've never sat down and watched a whole episode of that show. I don't even know who you are anymore. Yeah, I know, I know. It's crazy, isn't it? Uh, I, the best I, I can do is that uh, their tires squeal on dirt roads. Yeah. And there's always construction that has a pile of dirt that's in the perfect position and uh, angle in order to do a sweet jump. Right. And when they land, the General Lee uh, bends its frame. Like you can see the frame of that car uh, bending. Mm-hmm. But in the next shot, the car's fine. I wonder how many kind cars they went through filming that Hundreds show. and hundreds and hundreds. Wow. <laughs> There was a lot of cars that they went through in that show. But it always landed on its wheels, right? Well, of course. because the, well, But that's uh, that's expected because, first of all, the stunt drivers, when they uh, take a car off a jump, they weigh it, right? Like they balance the weight so that it doesn't do stupid things like flipping over forward or backwards right. while it's in the air. Uh, and second of all, that makes it into the, into, the, uh, into the show because Bo and Luke Duke you better believe that they spent time on their car making sure the weight distribution was correct because that thing went off sweet jumps every week. You, Yeah, I guess you got to make sure that you need to... When you're taking sweet jumps all the time, you want to yeah. land those sweet jumps. That's right. Even later when uh, Coy and Vance had the General Lee and uh, they had to take it off sweet jumps. Do you know who Coy and Vance are? I don't know what you're talking about anymore. So you don't know that uh, Tom Wapat and uh, John... Oh, what was his name? <laughs> Not John Denver... And whatever, Bo and Luke, the uh, they there was a, a pay dispute. They refused to go to work because they didn't think they were being paid enough. So the producers went, "Fuck you! We're uh, getting a couple actors. We're saying that they're uh, Bo and Luke's cousin, Coy and Vance." Hmm. But that didn't last forever. So they brought Bo and Luke back. I um have never seen the show because when I was growing up, we didn't have cable, so I didn't get a lot of TV in my house, and I didn't. You watch... don't need cable to watch the Dukes of Hazard. Well, I didn't watch much TV when I was a kid. I mean, I'm really making up for it now, but I I missed out on a lot of 80s TV when I was growing up. I mean, I did see some stuff like Airwolf and Magnum P.I. and um, Knight Rider, but I didn't go any deeper than that. I don't know why. Well, you have to go back and watch. Well, it's probably too late now, but <laughs> I watched it every week religiously. Uh, I love that show. It was great. Let's do a um, podcast on it. Uh, yeah, Dukes of Hazzard. Um, so... I really don't think that the Dukes of Hazard had as many problems with uh, car jumps than uh, this episode of The Walking Dead did with that van. That's uh, saying a lot. Yeah, I can't. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't besmirch the Hazard good name with, uh, <laughs> with that kind of physics. They had problems, but it was a it was a thing. You forgot about that in the show because they took the car off sweet jumps, whereas here they just kind of threw a van off a off a bridge. 
They sure did. And, you know, they released a making of, AMC put out a making of video of this thing. And they all but come out and say in this, in this video that they botched the effect. Because yeah. they, it, it's, it's really bizarre. Because what they do is they show them, push a van off and just let it roll off and fall down. And it lands on its roof. And they basically say, huh, well, that didn't work. So they drop another van off from a crane so it falls straight down and lands on its wheels. And they kind of admit to it not working. But how could you not know that a van is going to tip over forward and land on its roof by pushing it off a bridge? I, I, it doesn't make any sense to me. So they, they completely botched this effect in, in every way. Um, and, and they basically admitted it with this video, I thought. Yeah, weight the van. Weight the, put some weight in the back of the van so that it just kind of... No, you. I don't I even th think that would work. I don't think so. It, You'd it, have it, to put wings and a propeller on the front of the van for that thing to land properly. If if you drove it full speed off, off a bridge and it was weighted right, then you could maybe keep it more or less flat and come down. But just tipping it slowly, the front end is just going to... Gravity, it works that way. It's going to pull the front end down and it's going to go straight forward. Yeah, gravity's a real bitch. Sure is. All right, next we have... That was you, right? Yep. Okay, so next we have Tom at uh, 40.298672 <laughs> uh, 83.067965, which apparently is in Delaware, Ohio. He Tom told us to figure it out, and I did, and it's Delaware, Ohio. Thank you, Tom. Yeah. Those, uh, those are GPS coordinates, yes, no? Well, not GPS, but uh, lo longitude and latitude. That's right. Okay, which you can filter, you can put into any uh, search engine, and it will tell you where it is. Yep. Okay, my holy crap is the van on the bridge. Well, geez, isn't that co coincidental? Speaking of, yeah. Did you notice that the front of the van, which had pushed through a section of the guardrail, to bust through a section of railing like this, you would have to be moving at a high rate of speed, but not one bit of damage to the front end of the van was seen. The lack of the front end damage is, uh, is amazing, and its amazing ability to only land on its wheels proves to me that this van belongs to the Lich. Clearly, there's no other explanation. Explanation. Well, it's a magic uh, van plus one of landing owned by the Lich. <laughs> plus one it's landing. Pro it's probably plus three. Oh, it it was, that that was pretty significant. It, it really was. All right, one more holy crap, and this is a call from Michelle in Connecticut. Hey, Chris and Jason, this is Michelle from Connecticut. I know it's late this week, but I really wanted to weigh in on a feedback slash holy crap moment for self-help. At the end of the episode, when we see Abraham ready to eat a bullet after the death of his family, and Eugene comes shuffling, running, or armored pierogying up behind him, uh, like the kid always picked last in gym class, uh, did you happen to notice how quickly Eugene summed up Abraham and said exactly what Abraham needed to hear in order to get him up, get him moving, and get him to help Eugene? It's like he mentally scanned Abraham. Eugene may be physically weak, but I think he may be the most intelligent and perceptive member of this group we've got so far. I'm sure it's not anything the characters are going to discuss, maybe not even notice uh, together, but I think it's more of a little nugget for the audience to kind of mull over as season five goes on. I wanted to know your thoughts and also say thank you for an awesome podcast. I always enjoy it. So thank you. Bye. First of all, Michelle, you're welcome. It's nice to have uh, great listeners like you. And Eugene is the smartest guy on the show. He came out and said it himself. 
<laughs> and that's how we know. And that's how we know. And that's also how he got punched in the face and almost died. <laughs> and then uh, fell on his face. Yeah. So yeah. that was a that was a triple whammy. Punched in the face, hit his back of the back of his head on the uh, the fire truck, and then a face plant right into the pavement. Now, in real life, he'd probably have a concussion, right? Well, I don't know. I, 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 I'm going to say... broken nose. I mean, you go f- face first just, you know, into the ground like that. You're probably going to break your nose. Yeah, I'm sure he has... A, it looked like his nose was broken, but I think being punched in the head, bouncing your head off a fire truck, and then smashing it into the ground, he probably has at least a mild concussion, maybe a moderate concussion. So I think that... Eugene on the show should start acting all funny for a while and just be totally like a different character because he's concussed and his brain is all out of sorts. Right. And every five minutes he can throw up. <laughs> That's right. And they can't let him sleep all night and all it'll be it'll be really exciting. Yeah, lots of good fun for Eugene. Good fun. All right, let's do some feedback for consumed. Okay. Listener feedback. All right, are you starting? I am starting. So we have Samantha in Ohio who writes I don't know if you guys felt this way watching the show, but at times I felt as if I was watching a horror movie and kept yelling at the screen, what are you doing? I haven't experienced that in over five seasons. Um, I'm not 100% sure if Samantha's saying that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I think she's saying this episode suffered from some horror movie tropes and the characters were doing dumb stuff. Yes. I mean, I often yell at the TV. Like even if it could, doesn't matter what it is, I'm uh, ever since I was young, I would always end up yelling at the TV to to do stuff like shut up or don't be stupid. <laughs> so you're actually yelling at the TV, not the characters on your TV. Well, it kind of varies. Sometimes <laughs> I'm yelling at the TV because some dumb commercial is on and I want it to get out of my house. And sometimes I'm yelling at the characters, and sometimes I'm yelling at the writers and the producers and the general, you know, production of the show. Uh huh. But, uh, yeah, I can see that uh, yelling at the TV in this particular episode. I'm not sure I vocalized anything, but I was definitely experiencing the what the hell are you doing? Yeah, there was a little bit of that. I mean, I I think I said on Monday that I liked this episode. I I liked some of the creepier parts of this episode. Um, But, uh, and it didn't really, I didn't really think at the time these, you know, are horror movie actions by these characters, although... There was some bad Survivor stuff in this episode, you know, things that they should know better about by this time, so. Getting into a van that's on the edge of a precipice? Yeah, not stabbing the zombie in the head before reaching down to steal the keys from his pocket, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, they could have, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff they could have done. I mean, John McClane would have got out of that situation without a hitch, right? Totally. Totally. He would have tied a rope around his waist and jumped off, and there would have been a huge explosion too, I bet. And he would have he would have somehow figured out a way to to like get all the zombies in the van and then have it go off the bridge and he stays up top or something like that you know yeah. something something um, uh, creative like that yeah come to Atlanta have a few laughs <laughs> right okay Beth from Charlotte wrote in I've just about had it with the continuity and logic issues in this show. Rather than making the action scenes fit within the plot, someone has decided to cast logic and physics aside to make really cool action scenes that make no sense. A few examples. The van that miraculously flips to land on its tires. Slaughters that occur without anyone ever getting blood in their mouths or eyes. The incredible shrinking elevator shaft in Slabtown. It's 20 floors up. No, wait, it's three floors up. (laughs) The fire truck that shoots water without being turned on. The list goes on and on. 
And that's just three episodes. I'm a die-hard Walking Dead fan, and I know a certain amount of suspension of disbelief is required. It's a zombie apocalypse, after all. But sell it to me. Make me believe it could happen. The van could have hit something on the way over the bridge, causing it to completely flip. This show is too good for these kind of ridiculous errors. I agree with Beth. Walking Dead, get your shit together. Yeah, it's it, it feels to me like there's a little bit more of this sort of... I don't want to call it silliness, but like lack of attention to detail almost in the last part, in the first part of season five. I, I agree with, uh, I think Beth put it uh, rather well that they, uh, they are focusing on these are the cool kills and the cool things we want to want to do. Let's make, the, let's put the plot around it. Right. And it doesn't work. It's like, okay, let's focus on plot and character development and dialogue and situations and have everything make sense and the cool kills and the cool things let's uh let's put that aside for now and focus on the core uh the core aspects of the show i mean those things will come right if you are trying to tell a good story and you are trying to tell a good story in a zombie apocalypse right you can't ignore the zombies um, but but you can't make them, or you can't make the cool action scenes the primary focus, because then you lose everything else. Right. And and you really right. feel that loss. I, I think if we lost some of the bigger action stuff, I don't know if you'd feel it enough if everything else, or sorry, feel it as much if everything else was really tight and really good. Right. Do you think next week we're going to have a car chase? Um, yeah, you never know. We might have a car chase next week. You know what? Uh, you know, somebody mentioned to me in the last couple of days that next week is going to be, this may have been a listener on Facebook, I forget, but next week, we were speculating next week is them going to be planning the assault on, on the hospital. Yeah. And they said, no, next week, we're going to get another bottle episode finding out what Rick and those guys have been doing while all these other pe- stuff has been going on. And then... The season finale is going to be the assault on the hospital with no really oh, lead up to it. Yeah, and I think Damn that's it. that's I think that's probably a a good observation. We'll see though. Yeah, you know it's right, well, it, it's funny. Just before you move on to this next one, it's yeah. funny after episode one and two um, of season five, everyone was so pumped up like this is going to be the greatest season of this show ever. And look where we are now. We're six episodes in, and everyone is kind of down and bummed on it. Like, it was a super high, and we've swung down to a super low. Yeah, well, hopefully we, uh, we're we ready for an upswing. Well, that's the pendulum has to swing back at some point, so let's... We well, will it doesn't see. have to, but we'd like it to. Well, yeah, we would like it to. It could hit the dirt and just kind of dig in and stop, <laughs> and then what? Like me trying to swing a golf club <laughs> on the uh, <laughs> yeah. on the uh, um, out of the rough. <laughs> yep, that could be. Yeah. All right. Now, next, we have an email from Kate in Oregon. I completely agree that there there were editing and continuity issues throughout this episode, not helped by the oddly placed flashback flash. My God, flashback clips. I am unable to talk today. One in particular I noticed was the pillow on the bottom bunk being shown at the top level of the bed, and then a second later it magically appeared on the back side of the bed just in time for Daryl to lay his head on it. At first I was disoriented by the uh, point of view looking down on them, and I uh, I complained about how the twin-size bed magically turned into a full-size bed. Then they showed a wider angle and I realized they were laying sideways. So cool, but the pillow moved without Daryl touching it. 
This is not the kind of thing I would normally complain about, but like you said, should this kind of thing be happening on such a big deal show? So you see, they are, you know, they're they're throwing logic and physics out the window and they're not paying attention to these little details. Now, I didn't go back to check this scene that Kate's talking about with the bunk bed um, right. because my memory of it is that we see Daryl on the sitting there on the bed. The pillow is to his side at the head of the bed. And then we see a shot of, of Carol standing at the window. So it's conceivable that he could have moved the pillow in that time, right? But I don't know. I, I'll, I'll defer to Kate here and say that that's a magic pillow that shifted its way across the bed just in time for him to lie down on it. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. And if it is, you know, come on, guys, get, get it together. It's the Lich's pillow. <laughs> yeah, it must be. Or or the pillow's been there so long that mold is starting to grow and it's come alive and it has legs and it can move around the bed. That's pretty awesome mold. That's amazing mold and really creepy when you think about it. Yeah. Um. Next is Laurie on the internet. I've been a diligent fan of The Walking Dead for five years, but I tell you, I came dangerously close to turning the telev- television off Sunday night. It wasn't the obvious milking of an episode without any character development or the lack of story advancement. It was the scene when Daryl and Carol buckled themselves into the ambulance's front seats. I was cringing for the remainder of the episode and felt sad at what had been written and directed in that scene. I really, really, really hope that that moment is not the pivotal scene when The Walking Dead jumped the shark. Oh my God. Don't bring that up. The Walking Dead... Oh, what is it? Van off the bridge or something like that? <laughs> no, it's jumped the shark. Well, I know it still that. Has to, but uh, yeah, that could be. Uh, let's let's hope that isn't that moment. It. Yeah, I I really hope not. And only time will tell, I suppose. But yeah, it's it, it was it was bad. It was a dumb scene. Like it could have been a good scene, but it just wasn't executed correctly. And I think that's you know the main thing. Well, as long as Norman Reedus doesn't leave the show and they bring in, bring in uh, Norman's cousin, Cletus, and uh, <laughs> if that happens, then we know that it's Jump the Shark. True. If they bring in or the, Cletus Dixon, that's that's Cletus bad. Dixon and a younger, cuter Carl, because uh, they always bring in a younger, cute kid when, uh, when well, that's a comedy trope, when, uh, like, not Webster, but uh, with different strokes, didn't they bring in a, a, a younger kid, for, younger than... Uh, I could, you never watched Different could, Strokes, did couldn't you? Couldn't tell you. No, I actually did watch a little bit of Different Strokes, um, but I couldn't tell you. I, I don't remember that show very well at all. I'll tell you, one show I did watch in the 80s, and I saw every episode of, was um, what? Uh, Family Ties. Oh, Family Ties was good. Yeah, that was like a family event in my house. My mom watched it, my sister, we all sat down and watched Family Ties. That was a good show. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Do you know what the tie-in between uh, Different Strokes and um, the Facts of Life are? Nope. You, you don't know that Mrs. Garrett used to be the uh, the housekeeper on, uh, for uh, on Different Strokes, but after the first season, she left and went to take over uh, the house or the, uh, the house mother of uh, no Facts of Life. I didn't know that. I mean, I know there were sister shows or related shows back then, um, but I did not know that one. No. Yeah, it was Mrs. Garrett. All right. Uh, All right, so you're next. Yeah, I think I'm next. Gemma from South Wales. Love tonight's episode with Daryl and Carol and the fire symbolism. 
After seeing that, I'm pretty sure Carol will die. Her character has come so far, but where else can she go? The flashbacks wrapped up her story arc. So first of all, we did a bunch of emails here in a row where people just really didn't like the episode, and that was yep. a pretty strong reaction this week. So we got a few now where uh, where people are a little more positive. Um, so Gemma liked the episode, but she thinks Carol's story has wrapped up, and that's it for Carol. When you think about it, it's kind of true, you know? Carol's, we now have found out what happened after she was banished. She's she's changed or, or recovered from all the stuff that's happened to her and all the things she has done. Tyrese forgave her for burning uh, burning the people at the prison. You know, burning his girlfriend. Yeah, that's right. Um, so Carol's kind of f- wrapped up for a while, you know? Like, is she, maybe she'll transition to the background for a bit or they're going to kill her off. How long has it been since uh, since the prison? Like, what kind of time span has gone by? A week? Two? Well, it depends on how long it took them to get to Terminus. That's sort of the time frame that we don't really know. It hasn't been very long since they left Terminus, I don't think. <laughs> like, It's the same time of year, though, right? Like, the leaves haven't fallen and they haven't gone through another winter. No, there was no, like, season time jump or anything, right? So, so a few weeks. Yeah, maybe only a few weeks. So if I came over to your house and I killed and burned your wife in three weeks, would you forgive me? Let, okay, let's give it six weeks. Um, Probably never. Yeah, well, that's what I'm thinking, right? right. Okay, so, okay, let's, uh, you know, you, there's a big difference between Tyrese's uh, girlfriend and your, your wife, right? Uh-huh. You have a you know much longer relationship with your wife than Tyrese did with his girlfriend. Yep. So let's say I came over and burned your girlfriend. Oh, well, two, six, five or six weeks then? Yeah, it might be all right. You think that'd be all right? That I, you know, sorry, uh, I had to do it. Especially I, uh, if she was she, she had a cough. Yeah. She had a cough and I really couldn't handle that. So I came over and I killed her. I put a hammer to the back of her head and then I burned her. I hope that's okay. Yeah. Um, you know, if she was sick, you know, <laughs> if she wasn't getting any better... What else could you have done, really? None right. of these events so, actually occurred, people. <laughs> okay, I can tell you that if you came over to my house and my cat was sick, yeah, and and you put it down yeah. and then burned it in the backyard, right? I would never forgive you. Never, not even never, though it's just ever. a cat. Uh, well, don't say that. I love my cats. I know both of them, even the one that I don't like all that much. <laughs> yeah, actually, but, I like her. She doesn't like me. That, that's a whole thing. That's a whole different thing. Um, yes. But it's still just a cat. Anyway, that's just an aside. I, I don't think Daryl or I don't think Tyrese would have uh, would have forgiven her. Well, certainly not within like what the four days or whatever it was. Because I mean that that hap- that forgiveness happened essentially right after they left the prison. Yeah, I mean they did. Uh, the two of them did uh, kill and bury a couple of little girls, and that's a, that's a lot to go through with someone. So maybe that uh, brought them closer together. It bonded them, I suppose. Yeah. Maybe it did. Um, me, right? Adam in yeah. Texas, right? So I, I really am digging these past few episodes. See, another positive one. It's, yep. it's building to a cool mid-season finale. Granted, it is more or less taking us from siege to siege to siege, prison, terminus, hospital. But the environs are different enough, along with the circumstances, that it does not bother me too much. I have a funny feeling when the dust settles that our crew will be heading to take Noah back home to his town with walls. I hope the mid-season finale does not end on a cliffhanger. It would be too cool 
uh, it would be cool to have some closure so we can start fresh in 2015. But knowing how TV works, I know they probably need some draw to the next season. Still love the show after all these years. Where, where, where's Noah? Oh, right, because he, he mentioned he had a town. He, he was from a town with walls. He did in Virginia. So I think, as Adam says, they're going to get through all this stuff. The dust will settle, and they'll be like, well, what do we do now? And Noah raises his hand and says, I'm going to Virginia. I got a town with walls. So you guys want to come? And that's, and that's where my do. good iron is. Right. That's where I keep that's my good iron. That's where I keep my good iron. <laughs> and, my, good iron. and my fancy mop. <laughs> <laughs> and a slime bucket with flies. There you go. <laughs> All right. So next we have an email from Floyd in Lancaster. Uh, the ending of this episode should have been the scene with Daryl coming out of the woods talking to Michonne. I think they're going to stretch out... Uh, stretch this out to where the scene is the mid-season finality and finale, and that's just too long. Yeah, I don't think that scene is going to be the end of the mid-season finale. That would piss me off. Oh yeah, that would that would be bad. But I I I am a little surprised that that scene didn't end off this episode. I'm, I think Floyd's right. I think Floyd is absolutely right too. And now that I you know have a, I don't think it's going to be in next episode this weekend either. I don't think that scene is going to occur until the mid-season finale, but it will be the beginning of the mid-season finale. He brings Noah in. They go into the uh, church. Everybody's there, and um, they make their plan to go and get Beth back. Right, and Carol. And Carol, yeah, and Carol, that's right. Well, they didn't actually know. They're going to go get Carol, oh, and Beth, <laughs> if she happens to be there. Right, 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 and, <laughs> and is still alive. I don't know. Because Daryl's the only one that cares, cares about Beth. I think, I still think Beth is, is done for, is doomed in the season finale, in the mid-season finale. Because uh, uh, Carol Carol doesn't care about Beth all that much. She's just She just happened to be there with the car when Daryl decided to take off and follow that car, yep, right? that's right. So she's just along for the ride. She didn't have a whole lot of choice in this matter. So uh, we can definitively say, say that Daryl is the only one that cares about Beth, and maybe now Noah. Yes, maybe Noah. He does too. I mean, they bonded. They became friends in the hospital, and then he had to leave her there. So he probably feels guilty for that. Well, I don't think they should go back for the for the other two. I think Daryl and Noah should be uh, basically a buddy cop movie and uh, go in guns a blazing. Well, they don't have guns, but well, they have guns. <laughs> it's the Daryl and Noah show. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'd watch that. All right, Amanda in Cary, North Carolina, writes, "Help me out of this time gap. Seems like Noah had escaped the hospital." And then Carol entered immediately on a gurney. How did we lose the time between Noah getting clean clothes, interacting with Carol and Daryl, and then Carol getting hit by a car? All I can say there is I think there was some time between um, uh, Noah escaping and then bringing Beth back in and then Carol coming in. Because what did we see? We see, um, what's the cop's name again? Um, Dawn, right? Yep. We see yep. Dawn uh, sort of reprimanding or scolding Beth while the three bodies are on the floor. So that happens yep. right after they bring her in because they haven't cleaned up the bodies yet. And then um, and then we get another scene which could be sometime later. It's not necessarily immediately following that scene, and that's the one where she's approaching with the knife and they bring Carol in. So I think there's probably time passed there, but it's undetermined how much exactly. Well, it's been a f- it's a few hours since Carol, uh, uh, between the time Carol and Daryl encounter Noah when he grabs their gun, and then uh, they end up 
uh, meeting back up with Noah. That that time gap, we didn't have a night, did we? I think we ju- it was no. just a few hours. Right, but where they're sitting and watching and eating their uh, you know whatever snacks they found. Yeah, but what Amanda um, is saying is that there's um, the time between Noah escaping and Carol coming back in yeah. felt like a little bit longer when we were outside the hospital with Daryl and Carol, but it felt like no time at all, like minutes when we were inside the hospital. Right. What I, what I think I'm trying to get at is that the, you, you know, Amanda, you're right. There is a time gap and that, uh, that we feel outside of the hospital that we didn't feel inside. But I think we only have to account for a few hours. Like we don't have to account for a couple of days. No, you know, right? you're right. I think so. I think that's a good point. All we needed to account for was enough time for Noah to get out, change clothes, which he, which wouldn't have taken too long, probably. Yeah. Um, and then get into the building and meet up with them. Right. And then go back. And then go back, yeah. Yeah, because he had to meet up with them, steal their guns, and then go back, get trapped under the bookcase. Mm-hmm. And then that's pretty much it. Yeah, you're right. It all could have happened in like half a day kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah, but inside the hospital, that half a day went by pretty, pretty damn quick. Really fast. <laughs> yeah. All right, next we have an email from Chris in the UK. I like it that smart people are making dumb decisions in this show. Not only is it necessary for there to be drama, but it's also realistic. Clever people do stupid things every day. Plus, it makes sense to me that our hero's prowess in the walker killing occasionally leads them to underestimate the threat and find themselves in bigger trouble than they thought. Did something, uh, Doing something over and over again can improve your proficiency, but can also breed complacency and ultimately sloppy mistakes. Yeah, so this is a response to our feelings from Monday that uh, there's just bad decisions being made by experienced zombie apocalypse survivors in this episode, and in fact, in the last few episodes. Um, but I, uh, Chris does make a good point that, you know, when you get comfortable with something, that's when your guard goes down, and that's when you make some sloppy mistakes. And that's exactly how I play golf. I start off okay, but the more I play, the worse I get. By the end of, a, <laughs> uh, you know, God forbid, 18 holes, I'm a disaster, where I started out doing okay. Right. It's because you kind of lose interest, I think. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it's always been that way. The more I play, the worse I get. So if I can do, if I if I can stick to about nine holes per summer, I'm okay. Right. Just one. Otherwise, I might as well just uh, throw the all the golf clubs away except for the putter and just putt my way down the damn fairway. <laughs> Probably do okay in that case. <laughs> yeah, Jason. His long game is really good as long as he uses a putter. Well, I don't even, not even the long game. It's just like, sure, I'm going to take 30 strokes, but at least this way I'm on the fairway the whole time. Sure. Right? <laughs> yeah, well, the putting long game. Um, anyways, good point, Chris. Uh, you you do, you know, that is important that they're portraying that kind of thing. Um, it just felt really egregious in this last episode, I thought. You know, going out under the bridge, not really paying attention to what's happening around them. And, and getting trapped like that. And then even making the decision immediately to go off the bridge in the van. It just, it didn't really work for me. But I see I see Chris's point for sure. Mm. Yeah. All right, Andy in England writes, Is it just me that found the Carol flashbacks pointless? Everything we were shown, we already knew had happened. Best example, walking out of, of Terminus and cleaning herself off. I think we all knew that happened without having to see it, Right. Maybe they were trying to remind us that Carol has been through a lot lately. Again, not sure we needed reminding of that. 
So I started thinking a little bit more about the flashbacks, and we saw her burying Lizzie's body, which we already knew happened and had seen before, so I chalked that up as pointless. Mm-hmm. We watch the prison bodies burn, which I guess we never saw before, but it was revealed that it happened, and nothing happened in that scene. She just stood there watching the fire. So a little bit pointless. And... um the other one was the what happened during the time she was banished. And it turns out that's a pretty short time frame and not really anything much happened other than she lit a candle on fire and saw the smoke from the from uh what was it from the uh, uh the prison burning. So Yeah. So you know, I get that these flashbacks were maybe important from a symbolism standpoint, but it could have possibly been done a little bit better. Maybe film some new scenes that sort of portrayed the same same themes. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I think this kind of ties into what Gemma from South Wales was saying, is, is that uh, we just needed to, to be reminded that she's been through a lot of shit so that when she dies next episode or in this you know, the mid-season finale, uh-huh. that uh, that we know that she is consumed and that she has gone through a lot of crap in her life and this is uh, she's going to end it on a high note by uh, sacrificing herself to save Beth and Daryl and Noah. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. Another listener, Michael in London, wrote in and called these flash- flashbacks wasted airtime. Like, and, you know, I would tend to agree and I don't think they're wasted thematically it just felt like recycling some of the scenes we had already seen before or like cleaning her face off you know is that how is that really an exciting scene i i don't think it is and i'm not saying everything has to be exciting and everything has to be you know just craziness all the time but face cleaning with a with a with a poncho you know not much there really i thought so advice that my first drum teacher gave me uh, powerful advice. If you accent everything, you accent nothing. There you go. There you go. That's a smart man. Uh, not really. He was a, an incredibly racist old man. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> but he had some pearls of wisdom. Yeah. When uh, the, I could offer some other pearls of wisdom, but they're uh, coded in racial slurs, so I can't really say them on the air. We'll should probably stay away from that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably stay away from that. All right, so we have uh, Stephanie from Denver, Colorado writes, Carol never once uses her knife in this episode. After Noah takes Carol and Daryl's weapons, the only weapons they appeared to have between them were a handgun uh, with five bullets and Daryl's knife. I could not understand why Carol opted to use the handgun at Noah if for no other reason than to kill him. A hunting knife in the back is just as lethal and much more quiet. Additionally, Carol acts as though the gun is her only weapon, even though the viewers, as viewers, we can see her knife attached to the front of her belt in multiple scenes. This is especially amplified when Carol runs out of bullets in the van and appears helpless to defend herself. Daryl also plays into this by choosing not to fight their way uh, out with both of their knives and figured the only way out was the precariously tilting van. Carol and Daryl are my favorite characters, but I'm disappointed in the writing directing uh, forces these two highly resourceful characters to play into the falling van scene just to create the drama. Yeah, um, it is... And that's just another problem with with that scene. You know, they wanted to go for the exciting or what they thought was exciting dramatic scene, even though these characters clearly had other options in that 
in those circumstances. Well, if Tyrese was there with his uh, berserking hammer plus four, he would have uh, he would have gotten them out of there. Probably picked up that van and threw it at them. <laughs> That's right. The guy would have hammered a bunch of heads and then picked up the van and and he would have surfed it off the bridge. At least he would have been on top riding that thing down. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. And then he could you know adjust the tilt and land it on its wheels, and I would have believed that. <laughs> yeah. Well, absolutely. Of course. All right, Matt. In Burbank, California, I too was bothered by how quickly Daryl's legal pad of paper ignited and stayed lit when he tossed it. But upon a second viewing, I remembered that he had a lighter, one that contains lighter fluid. All it would take is a little douse of that fluid to do the trick. Yeah, but he didn't do that. That's the problem. He didn't do that. It's, it's, a, it's a great idea, but we didn't see that. He just lit it on fire and then threw it, and it was like a raging inferno the whole time. I'm not going to pour precious lighter fluid onto paper to light it. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Personally. Yeah. I I guess not. All right. Next, we have an email from Lee in Fairmont, California. Fremont. I felt Daryl... Fremont? Fremont. Are you sure? F-R-E-M-O-N-T. Oh, that's what that says. Uh I felt Daryl was out of character when he and Carol uh, were robbed of their weapons by Noah and left for dead. Refusing to let Carol shoot Noah really confused me. Daryl said that he's just a kid, but when they meet Noah again, Daryl basically uh, does a big F you to Noah when he gets trapped in the bookcase. Why didn't Daryl just let Carol shoot Noah in the first place? I get that Noah is the bridge between Carol and Daryl to Beth, but Daryl doesn't know that Noah just uh, threatened his and Carol's life. He doesn't know this. Maybe I'm missing something, or am I just a horrible person in that situation, but I would say screw the kid. I need my weapons back. Yeah, it, Lee was saying D- Daryl doesn't uh, know Noah, and he just threatened his and Carol's life. Like he's trying to say he doesn't right. know Noah. So, <clears throat> um, yeah, it seems funny. Like, why prevent Carol from shooting him, even just to wound him, so she, he doesn't run off with their weapons? Just two minutes later, to leave him trapped under a bookcase um, with a zombie coming, but then come back for him. That's the plot device shield that uh, I've mentioned in previous episodes. You can't kill him because he's the, some of the plot depends upon him. Right. He we need him to connect these two characters to Beth who's in the hospital. So Right. Um so the whole thing is just contrived and really kind of bad, right? I mean, that's the conclusion here. Yeah. You know? Well, we'll see. We'll see if uh if, you know, uh, Daryl's a nice guy. Right, he's protected people in the past. He prevented Merle from killing that family in the car on the bridge. Remember? Yes, I do. So I'm not sure that this is entirely out of character. It just feels a little odd, right? It, it feels like a, a flip flop within the scene. It's like yeah. he stole our weapons, you know. But the thing is, when that family on the bridge, like Merle, just wanted to kill them and take their stuff before they'd even done anything, or not, did he want to kill them, or did he just want to leave them? leave them be while they were attacked by zombies. Either way. Uh, I don't, yeah, either way. Either way. You know, Daryl, Daryl's the nice guy. Yes. Right. But he, and he wanted to run over and help. But, you know, Noah is a step further than that. He actively opened those tents, stole their weapons and said, here's a bunch of zombies. Good luck. I mean, and, and then even in that moment, Daryl was like, no, 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 he's just a kid. Leave him alone. We'll get new weapons. Don't worry about it. And then two minutes later, it's like, oh, he's trapped under a bookcase. Let's let him die. He's a bastard. I, I, I'm not entirely convinced that uh, Daryl felt that, you know, let him die. I think he was trying to teach him a lesson. I think he was just, uh, he was messing with his head. I'm going to leave you here and then save him. And then, uh, you know, basically it was just a, 
you know, screw you. I, uh, I control your life now. So that's the revenge for, you know, treating me like crap earlier. I don't, I'm not convinced that Daryl actively okay. actually wanted to kill him. I think he was trying to teach him a lesson. That makes more sense when you put it that way. I mean, because then it, it eliminates the whole Daryl flip-flop and, um, that sort of adds depth to Daryl's character a little bit, which is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's good. Let's go with that. <laughs> um, who's Is it me now? I think so. Every episode, at least once, I have to ask, is it me? Huh? Yeah, this episode's all over the friggin' map. Dave uh-huh. in Coventry, UK. I had a small issue uh, with part of this episode. It was the bit when Carol gets hit by the car. The two guys get out, get the stretcher, get Carol onto it, and into the car, but never once look around to see if there was any others with her. Yeah. They seem to have been doing this hunt and grab system for a while, so you'd think they would check for danger. Yeah, nobody's looking around in this scene, except for Daryl and Noah. Well, and they're like right there inside a big glass door, and these guys are just like, oh, ho-hum, let's go and we'll pick her up. I mean, you're you're right. Maybe they should have exercised a little more caution. I, I, as I said in uh, on Monday's episode, when you're in a zombie apocalypse, you keep your head on a swivel. You sure you do. You look everywhere all the time. Yeah. I mean, otherwise, you'd, anyone, any zombie or anything could come out of nowhere at you. You just got to be ultra careful. And I don't know, it all plays back into people getting complacent and, and letting their guard down and so on. And, you know, that would happen after two years of zombie apocalypse. And eventually that's going to come and bite you in the ass. Remember the story of the tortoise and the hare. You know, when the hare gets out way ahead and goes, yeah, I can probably beat that turtle, no problem. I'm going to have a nap. Uh Uh-huh. Right? You don't get complacent. If you're in a race, focus on the task. Yep. Finish the task at hand. Yeah. So don't uh, don't get complacent. That's the uh, the moral of the story here. That's what it all All comes down to. Next, we have an email. Yeah, for sure. Next, we have an email from Wendy in Vancouver. Did I pronounce that right? Vancouver? Mm Mm-hmm. All right, good. On the topic of Carol and Daryl, I understand everyone wants them to get together, but in the time where you don't know if you will live or die, I would assume getting laid isn't a priority. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) Uh, Well, I I think we have a a gender bias here. Uh, So, you know, women versus men. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so Carol has been through an abusive husband. Her daughter was turning into a walker, killing the people at the prison, being cast out, and having to kill the girls. This coupled with Daryl having a hard time learning to be his own person and the possible possible abuse as a child doesn't make for sexy times in my eyes. Give these two a little more time to learn to be their own person before diving into this. This, to me, is more realistic. Fair enough. Fair point. I mean, these people have been through a lot and maybe they're just not in the mood. And frankly, they're both so dirty. I mean, no one's had a shower in weeks. Yeah, (laughs) shower's important. It really is. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being too picky in the zombie apocalypse, but, you know, that's got to play into your your getting laid decision a little bit, probably. Okay, so they were in the the office, uh, the nice clean office with the the dog ass wipe painting, right? And there was a a bottle of water there. Like, there was a a water cooler full full of water. Yep. Have yourself a nice horse bath while you're in there. You know, splash some water on your armpits, you know, uh... Do a little cleaning and then move on with your life. I don't know, man. You can you can be dirty and still live, but you can't live without drinking water. So I think you come across water. But they left. They they filled a canteen and left this like as much water there as when they first got there. They didn't use all that water. Yeah, fair enough. 
But what are they going to so, do? I know, mean, if they don't wash, they can't take it all with them. So what you're saying is they might as well clean up a little bit. Clean up a little bit. Grab a, you know, rip the painting down and uh, soak or soak that painting in some water and uh, give your armpits a scrub. <laughs> what could it hurt? No, couldn't hurt one bit. And then you'll be all ready to go for sexy time when the opportunity arises. <laughs> yeah, when you can forget all your troubles and have some sexy time. <laughs> That's right. Uh, thank you, Wendy. Next email comes from Katie in the UK. Hey, guys, it's nice to see that all of the storylines that have been on our screens for the past few weeks have now played out. We now know where Beth is. We know uh, who was in the bushes with Daryl. And we know Carol arrived at the hospital. We know how Carol arrived at the hospital. These episodes have been building up to something big, so I'm hoping for something that will make the first half of season five go out with a bang. That's true. And I think it may. I think it may go out with a bang. It's just, it's taken a long time to get to the bang. Well, we came in with a bang because Carol blew up that big propane tank. It's true. So maybe it's like March. It comes in like a lion and not like a lamb. Maybe we're going to go out with the, not with the, uh, you know, sound and fury, but with a whimper. Hmm. You've got a lot of references going on there all at once. A lot of idioms and references. Uh, maybe you're right. Come in with a bang, go out with a whimper. That's, I, that'll suck. <laughs> that would. I'm sure we will complain about it on here, though. Yeah. All right. So next we have an email from Jenna in Kentucky. I don't think Beth will die. I feel like they've invested too much time with her this season. If a main character dies, it'll be Carol, and that ha- uh, and she has had plenty of hero episodes. Also, uh, I don't think it'll be Beth because I think they will slowly turn into her into a comic book Andrea character, and the Carol dying trying to save her save her will just be fuel to that fire. Right. So Carol is going to end up dying, saving Beth, and that's going to make Beth even stronger, and she's going to stick with us for a long time. Um. I don't know. I suppose that could happen. I can I can see how that, you know, I can see how you could see that from what we've got on the show. Um, but for some reason, I just have a feeling that Beth is going down. I I don't know. I just, it's, it's. I don't know. It's, 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 it's tough. I thought that Carol would end up being the comic book Andrea. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, and, uh, but uh, I think Jenna and uh, previously Gemma, uh, make very good points in that Carol has had a lot of hero episodes lately, and we've had her story uh, recapped and, uh, you know, basically brought around to completion. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think uh, I think they're right. I think Carol's going to die. Hmm. Well, we maybe they'll both die. Maybe 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 everybody will die, and Cletus will come in. It'll be the Cletus. Show <laughs> the Cletus and Rick show. <laughs> yeah, maybe Carl will be dead, and Cletus will come along, and Rick will be like, "I need a new son," and uh, and yeah. he'll adopt Cletus. Yeah. All right. Finally, this week, Kara from the couch recovering from a not zombie related sickness. Um. Just side note, everyone. I read your location as you print it generally, so uh, that's why she's on the couch recovering from a non zombie related sickness. Kara says. Don't burn government records, Jason. This is Aww. this is how most historians find out stuff about a period. How the Black Death spread, government death records, etc. Burn popular books. There will be many, many copies of them, so you probably aren't burning the only copy of Twilight. <laughs> but you may be burning <laughs> the only copy of the city's records. Well, records, yes. Tax law, 
<laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's true. You did say tax law. So, so yeah. But, uh, but Twilight's a good idea too. Find as many copies of Twilight as you can get your mitts on and burn those. Yeah. I mean, if you come across like a first edition, you know, Jules Verne or something like that, you probably don't want to burn that. But, you know, mass produced paperbacks, I'm okay with it. Fifty Shades of Grey? You could burn the first edition of that. I actually yeah, I can't that, say that. I've never read it. I've never read Twilight either, but I'm okay with burning it. <laughs> yeah. Funny how that well, works. Not not in a censorship kind of way, just as in a there's lots of copies of this particular book and uh you're not destroying historically significant uh piece of art. Yeah, yeah. You're okay not you're not in a censorship way, in a more of a staying warm and cooking food kind of way. Yeah, that's right. That that works okay. There you go. Um, but if you can come across tax law, phone books, things like that, I'm all for Phone books are fine. Yep. If you got two copies of tax law, burn one of them, at least. <laughs> at least one. But if it comes down to two copies of tax law and, um, you know, a James Joyce, go with both the copies of the tax law. That's all I'm saying. Oh, and I would never burn government records. I would never, uh, like, there's all kinds of birth and death and marriage uh, records out there. I would never burn that stuff. Never, ever, 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 ever. Good. Because that is historical uh, information. But tax law, Man. you know, really, well, yes. I mean, somebody may come in 700 years go, hey, look at how crazy these uh, people were in that it's not just, uh, you're not, they're not just paying, you know, 22% of their income. They're paying 22% of the first $60,000 and 68% of the next $14,000 <laughs> and 42% of the next $12,000. Uh, but they're only paying like 86% of that uh, and they're uh, minus uh, the amount of rent that they pay or the uh, property taxes that they pay. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> Somebody might say that, yes. And in fact, yeah. that example just, I think, solidified it for me. You can burn tax law. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't they teach doing your taxes in high school? Uh, That's what I want to know. I'm sure you can. I'm sure in some places there are like intro to accounting or something in high school. Accounting, yeah. They teach the columns. They teach income versus, uh, uh, you know, what do they call? I don't even know. <laughs> what do I know? They teach, uh, you know, debits and credits and balances <laughs> and about accounting, you know, basic accounting stuff. But they do not teach doing your taxes. I think there needs to be a class on doing your damn taxes. The problem is nobody has to do their taxes when they're in high school. Uh, yes, you nobody do. Nobody has to do accounting. Well, right. I guess nobody has to. Nobody has to do <laughs> physics. Nobody has to do uh, chemistry. You're learning about something that you may do in the future. I suppose you're very true. I mean, you're very right. Or you know, household budgeting. Huh? There's a skill everyone needs to learn. Good God, I could learn anyway. a little bit about that. We all could, probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> um, well, anyways, burn something to stay warm is what we're saying. Just be <laughs> use discretion when you're thinking about it. Yeah, absolutely. All righty. That is all the feedback for this week. This episode, you know what's funny? This Daryl and Carol episode, I think, solicited the, uh, the most negative feedback we got of all three of the last ones. And I wouldn't have guessed that after watching the Beth episode. That's true, you know. Um, just on the the sort of love for these two characters alone, I I would have thought a lot more people would have been more accepting of this. But maybe it was just the culmination of kind of three different weakish episodes in a row. We get this one. I mean, maybe next week it's going to be a hundred percent all hatred. Maybe no one's going to watch next week. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, we should uh, we should look at the, uh, the the ratings trends. We'll take a look at that next time. Um, I know that this week the episode beat football again, so it's, it doesn't seem like it's hurting. I just don't have the numbers in front of me. Uh, yeah, football doesn't have uh, consistency issues and physics problems, right? No, it's always the same. Well, yeah, it's consistent physics mm -hmm. <laughs> in football, at least. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, but we'll look at the ratings next time. We'll do that maybe on Monday just to see uh, if it's trended down a little bit. I would guess that it has, but not by much. Not by much. Yeah. Do you think the director was like dreading this coming out on the air? Like, was just like, I know that was not my best work. I know that wasn't a great episode. Man, I got to put that out anyway. Do you think he was worried about it? I, I don't know. Probably not. I mean, it's... I don't know. I mean, you got to think a director is is confident in their work regardless of of how it works. I mean, if not, then they take their name off of it, right? And it's directed by uh, whatever that fake director name is that I can't think of right now. Joe Schmo? No, there's a name that gets used when a director doesn't want their name on, on, on a work. I forget it. It's right. like 555 or, you know, all that other stuff. Cool. Uh, Morley Cigarettes. Um Anyways, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see once the first half of this season is all said and done what sort of people's mindset on, on the whole thing is. Uh, but we're not there yet. We have to get through episode seven and eight, but there's only two more until a long break until February sometimes. So, uh, you know, that's uh, that's okay. Although I'm, I am sort of bummed about the break that they put in the season, but at least it's not like a whole year in between. That would drive me crazy. And we know about it. Right? right, there used to be breaks in shows where we'd be like, "All right, I love this show," and then the week, and then one week there'd be like the same crappy episode that you saw two weeks ago. Right, right. So at least we know, we know they've they've stated outright that they're going to have a mid-season finale, and there's going to be a break between this episode and the one in February. And I like that. I like knowing it's true. At least they tell you up front, and and you know it, it means you can enjoy your your uh, holiday season without having to worry about zombies and bottle episodes <laughs> yes so all right thanks everyone for listening if you want to get in touch with us uh anytime you can call our toll-free number is 1-844-483-9662 you know the secret zomb line that's totally working nobody calls during uh during amc's talking dead anymore yeah don't tell them don't tell anybody that's the secret number you have to listen to get it um so thank you for listeners for using that number and you can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Talking Dead. And then, of course, send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. All right, we'll be back on Monday night after episode seven of season five. Rick is finally going to be back in this episode. That's exciting. We've had three in a row without him. And uh, we'll see what happens then. So until then, everyone, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.